thank you that your banner over us is love. We thank you that your grace is sufficient. We thank you that you've given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. God, we give you thanks and give you praise for that today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Miss Amy and worship team. We appreciate you tonight. You can take your seats if you'd like to. And um, I want to go to Joshua chapter 6. I want to share from the sixth chapter here tonight and then we'll go to Genesis and look at a few verses there in Genesis chapter 13 praise God so on tonight will be um, our first as I said, our first Wednesday night back for some time, and uh, you can anticipate uh, hearing some, I'll be preaching some on Wednesday nights, but you can anticipate hearing some of the younger voices on Wednesday night, Pastor Jason and Jordan and, and uh, Michaela and Kent and Pastor Greg and some different ones that'll be sharing with us on Wednesday nights. and. Uh, but we're going to have a wonderful time. Amen. And so uh, thank you for being in the house tonight. I want to go to uh, Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says there, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel, and none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See. Somebody say, See. You got to see it. Amen. This is what it was. It was shut up. And nobody was coming in and no one was going out. But the Lord said to Joshua, you need to see something. You need to see that I have given Jericho into your hand, its kings and the mighty men of valor. And then he gives him instructions on how to take the city. You shall march around the city, all ye men of war, and you shall go around the city once, and this shall you do for six days. And on the uh, seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets and the ram's horns before the ark, and the seventh uh, day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and, you shall come to, and it shall come to pass when they make the long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and then all the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Amen? And so this is what the assignment for Joshua was. God says, this is what I intend to do. I'm going to bring the walls of this city down. 
but you've got to be able to see it, right? You've got to be able to see it. Those walls were 30 feet tall. They were 20 feet thick and they could run chariots side by side on top of those walls. We're not just talking about a thin, narrow wall. We are talking about something that is 20 feet thick up on the walls. And it was ex the expectancy of that day or the expectation or the mindset that these walls could not be penetrated. These walls could not be brought down. They were too big, they were, had been there too long, and they were too great. And so God begins to speak to Joshua here in uh, this sixth chapter, and he said, this is what I want you to see. I want you to see that I have already given you Jericho, that I've already given you the mighty men of valor, that I've already given you this city, right? And so he has to get out of the perceived or the perception of the day and begin to see a different view in the spirit. And we can look at that today and we can look at our nation and we can look at America and we can see all of the chaos. We can see that sin is abounding. We can see all of the things that are going on around about us, but we have to see not what is going on in the natural, but we've got to see it in the spirit realm. We've got to see a different view than what the world is seeing. We've got to see that even sin does abound, grace does much more abound. We've got to see that the, the, the love of many are waxing cold, but he said in the last day I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so there is something, a different perspective that we must see. Amen. Before you can, before you can have it, you must see it. And he said, see, I have given to your hand Jericho, the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And so God told Joshua, you've got to see the walls coming down. You've got to hear with expectancy that, that what is taking place here in the natural is not what is taking place in the spirit. And he uses this same word, see, and he tells Joshua that I've got to, you've got to see what I've already done for you. This is what I've already put into your hand. It does not say that he is going to give you Jericho, that he's going to give you mighty men of valor. He says, I have already done it. I've already done it. Now, the, circum the, the situation may not look like that in the natural, but you've got to see it's already done. Can I tell you tonight, it's already done. The finished work of Calvary, it is already done. Our salvation has already been paid for. Our sins of sin, past, present, and future have already been paid for. Amen. Our healing has already been paid for. That by your, his stripes we were healed. And so we understand tonight that that is a truth and we have to see it before we can receive it. Amen. So the first step to victory is seeing yourself living in victory. You've got to see yourself, if, if you see yourself going around being conquered, then you will go around being conquered. If you see yourself sick, you will be sick, right? If you see yourself defeated, then you will be defeated. What, what you see is what you will begin to perceive, 
right? And so this is how he tells him to do it. He said, go march around the walls and you will see those walls come down. The first step to victory is seeing yourself living in victory. Amen. Seeing yourself blessed. Right? Amen. Whenever Renee and I was first got uh, married, we weren't married too awful long, and uh, we were evangelizing, and we didn't have hardly two nickels to rub together, but I t taught my nephews to say, Uncle Brian is a money magnet. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I got them believing it because I told them, and I believed it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. I believed that God was going to supply my needs according to his riches, right? Amen. And so we have to hear the word, but then we got to see it. And as we see it, then we believe it. And as we see it and believe it, then we begin to walk into it. Glory to God. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 13, if you would, please. Genesis chapter 13. Let's look at Abraham here for a moment. The Bible said, Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all of that he had, and Lot with him to the south. And Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on the journey from the south as afar uh, to Bethel to a place where he, his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. And now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their uh, possessions were so great that they could no longer dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen and Lot's livestock and the Canaanites and the Persicites dwelled in the land. We'll pick that back up there in, in just a few minutes, but... Uh, there is a time of trouble that came into Lot and Abraham's life. Abraham, Abram at that time, his, was raising his, his nephew uh, and his, as after his father had died. And they have become so blessed that they no longer can dwell together. The Bible says they're both rich to the point that the land cannot take care of or sustain them. And so there is strife that comes into the camp and uh, trouble, when trouble comes into our life, trouble, it, it marks a season of change. It marks a time of new direction. It marks a time of new choices. And Abraham knows this and he goes to Lot and he says, which way do you want to go? It doesn't matter to me. 
It, it, you can you pick your direction. If you want to go to the mountains, uh, then, then I'll go to the valleys. If you want to go to the valley, then I'll go to the mountaintops. But he said, wherever I go, I know that I'm going to be blessed. And so he says to Lot, just choose which direction you want to go because the blessing of God is upon us, right? And so he, they see that and they, be, they split up and they go different ways and they are blessed just like uh, they had been blessed before because God's blessing was upon their life. But Abraham came to this understanding that his blessing was not in a location, but it was his hookup with God. That his blessing was in that he had a covenant with God. And Lot lifted up his eyes in verse 10 of chapter 13. He lifted up his eyes and he saw the plains of Jordan and that they were well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, the land of Egypt as you go toward Zor. And so this is what he looks, this is what he sees and the principle is now at work in him. He is looking and he beholds and what he beholds he begins to see uh, what the potential is. He sees the blessing of God for his life and so he begins to go into the flatland, the plains, and he sees the blessing before he ever gets there. Amen. Let's drop down to verse 14. The Lord says to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where uh, you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if uh, a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through the length of it and width of it, for I uh, give it to you. And Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelled in, uh, the, by the trees which are in Hebron and built an altar there to the Lord. Amen. Yeah, water. And so Abraham is in this principle of seeing. What I want you to see tonight and what I want to, to point out tonight is, is he is not telling Abraham whatever you can see with your natural eye because Abraham already owned that. Can you agree with me? If he was sitting on his porch and he looked with his natural eye and he seen to the north, the south, the east, and the west, everything that he could see, he already owned. It was his. But God is speaking to him about a spiritual principle that says to, to him, if you can see it, then you can have it. Amen. If you can, if you can see it, if you can envision it in the spirit then Abraham, everything that you can believe me for, everything that you can envision and believe me for, I will give it to you. 
as far as the north, the south, the east, and the west, however direction you want to look, whatever span that you want to look into, he said to that level that I want to bless you, right? You must see this truth and watch what God is telling him to do. He said, lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Amen. It's a spiritual principle that we don't look because too many times we get caught up on where we are. We get caught up and we get stuck even in the place where we are. It, and where we are, that's the reason why that, that we lose our shout, we lose our victory, we lose our joy is because we're merely thinking about where we are. And where we are is not a pleasant place. It might be sickness. It might be financial difficulty. It might be relational problems. And, and, and where we are isn't something that's very joyful. But God tells Abraham, look up from the place where you are. In other words, don't stay focused on the now, but get your eyes on what is coming. Amen. And so that's the reason why that you can have a shout in the middle of sorrow. That's the reason why you can still praise him with tears streaming down your face, not knowing what God's up to. Because you can look beyond where you are and you can see a better day. You can see the blessing of God. You can see the fulfillment of God. You can see his word coming to pass in your life. You can, you can be bound up with the city walls around you. But you look beyond the wall and you see a Jericho defeated. Because you know that God has already given you the victory. Amen. And so we have to lift up our eyes from where we are and we've got to see something different. And I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're in a place of sickness. Maybe you're in a place of lack. Maybe you're in a place where you're down and out. But I want to challenge you tonight to look from the place you are. Amen. Look from the place where you are and see something different than the now. If you're, if you're sick, see yourself healed. If you're financial lack, see yourself in abundance. If you're discouraged, see yourself rejoicing, laughing, smiling, enjoying the journey. Amen? And, and see something different. Fill your mind with a new vision. God told Abraham, he said, all the land which you see, everything you can envision, how big's your vision? What are you envisioning? What are you expecting? What is, what is it that you're challenging your faith with on this moment to be different tomorrow than it is today? And so when we envision that, when we can see that in our mind's eye, in our spirit, then we can begin to believe God for it. Amen. We like to talk about what God told Moses, right? And told Joshua when he said, everywhere the foot of your heel shall trot upon, it shall be yours, right? And that's a powerful promise. But here's one that trumps that. He said, sit there and drink your mocha. Matthew's translation. Sit there in your rocker, drink your coffee, 
And Abraham, if you can see it in your mind, if you can believe me for it, then you can have it. Glory to God. Amen. Whatever you see inside, that's where you're going to go. If you see defeat in the inside, then you're headed for defeat. If you see yourself discouraged, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be in poverty. You're going to be in trouble. If you look and, and all you see is, is all of the trouble, then you're just going to stay in trouble. But you've got to look beyond that place and see something different. Amen. The Bible is a book full of pictures, word pictures. You can be surrounded by bad things and start reading the Bible and begin to see another picture. Amen. You can begin to believe God for something different. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because even though that you may be seeing the, the, the situation around your life and you begin to read about the, the God that sent his only begotten son and he hangs upon a cross so that we can have abundant life and we begin to think about the finished work of the Calvary's cross, amen, then we can begin to see a different picture. We can see that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, that we are have victory over sin, sickness, disease, and the devil. We can see ourselves uh, being uh, blessed abundantly we can see ourselves full of joy and victory instead of sorrow and trouble right or you can take the low load and you can become a hee-haw Christian gloom and despair and agony on me if it weren't for bad luck I wouldn't have none right and all of that. So I've got to choose, Brother John. I've got to choose what I'm going to see. And what I'm seeing is where I'm going. Amen. That's the reason why our windshield is so big and our rearview mirror is so small. You can't keep looking back. You've got to be looking ahead. Amen. Seeing what's ahead of you. Seeing what's ahead of you. What do you see tonight? What do you see in your own personal life? What are you envisioning for your faith to, to give yourself faith for? The Bible said faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Faith is the substance. So you have to have something of substance that you're, uh, you have faith in, right? And you lend it to hope. And faith mixed with your hope becomes a present reality. And so you've got to have something of substance that you're putting your faith toward. What are you hoping for? That's what my faith is going to connect itself to. And it's going to come to pass. And so I begin to believe God for things. I begin to trust God for things. I begin to seek God for things, right? And then as I do that, then I begin to see what I've been believing for. So there ought to be something in your life all the time that, you're, that your faith, you're exercising your faith on and you're believing God for personally. And then I would like to think that we're believing God for, for, for uh, corporately for this house. Amen. I see... I see the praise team enlarging. I see a full band. 
I see ministry going out from this place that are being a blessing to other people. Amen. I see prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists that are being sent forth. Amen. From this house. I see that. I see that spiritual sons and daughters and leaders will rise up and take their rightful place of authority in the house of God. And, and, and God will begin to do. I, I see it. I see it. That's what I'm believing for. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible says, God called those things which are not as though they were. God does that and he expects you and I to do that too. Notice what he did not say. That he calls those things that are as though they're not. Amen. For an example, I probably one of the most questions I, I'm asked most is someone is sick and you're wanting to walk in faith and so you believe the word of God. And they say, well, I want to believe the word of God, but I don't want to be a liar. <laughs> you know. I, I, I believe that the word of the Lord says by his stripes I'm healed, but I'm sick. So what do I do? Well, I, I think it's real simple. You see yourself strong. You see yourself healed. You see yourself whole. And you're holding on to the word of God that, beloved, above all things, I desire that you prosper even as your soul prospers, Right? He said, I want you to be in health, divine health, and I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. And so you don't go around saying, I'm not sick. You say, according to God's word, I am healed. Yeah. Amen. The word called also means to name. The word call also means to name. And so what you're doing is you're naming my miracle. Not only must I see it, the promise of God, but I must also speak the promise of God or name it or call it, right? And until you, you've got to call it. You see, uh, and we, we'll talk about that just a little more in just a moment. But not only must we see it, we must speak it. And when you call it forth and, and have authorize the Holy Spirit to bring it to pass. And every time we do that, we're exercising kingdom authority over the kingdoms of this world. There has to be a, a change because when the power meets power, the lesser power has to bow to the greater power. And so when I authorize the kingdom of God to bear my problem, the, all the power of the kingdom begins to move on my behalf and, and destroys the kingdom of darkness that is working against me and the authority of heaven causes that thing to bow, amen, that has been hindering me, amen. We're not talking about logic. We're not talking about logic. Logic says two plus two equals four all the time amen but God can take nothing and make four 
And if you really want to know the truth, God isn't even in addition. He's in multiplication. Amen. And he multiplies things, but he don't have to have anything to start with to multiply it. Amen. Man has to have something, Greg, before you can even add to it or let alone multiply it. But God, all he needs is faith in our hearts, seeing and believing for a thing, and he can cause multiplication to begin to take place in our life. Amen. And so in our minds, we try to add things up. We say if we did this and we did a little of that and we have this person on our side, then all of that would equal us getting where we need to go. But the reality of it is, is all we need is to see and believe in the spirit and then allow the authority of heaven to come and authorize that. And the angels of the Lord come and minister to the heirs of salvation, right? And we see the fulfillment of the promise of God over our lives. God just says that this calls it, speaks it, and it is so. Amen? Verse 18, it said, And Abram moved his tent, and he went to the, uh, dwell in a, a uh, Terabeth, and all these trees in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Now, by this time, Abraham, Abram's old. He is, but he does not, his wife is old. They don't have any children, right? And he, uh, so what does he do? The Bible says he considers not his own body, but he remembers the promise of God. He remembers the promise of God and begins to call call out that promise that God has given him whenever he and his wife are beyond the years of childbearing. Now, what, what does he do? He begins to see. Remember, he said, if you can see it, Abraham, at that time, Abram, then I'll give it to you. And he said, if you can count the dirt, if you can count the sands in the dirt, you can count the molecules. He said, that's the number of children that I'm going to give to you. And he said, but you got to see it. Right? I'm almost done. But Abraham, Abram believed God. And he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham means father of a multitude. Now how many know in the natural they thought this joker had done rocked off of the porch? He said, look at there, Sarah. Her face is done wrinkled up. She's getting old. Abe, I don't know what you've been into. Maybe you've been into that drinking or something but you you have done messed up goes down to the courthouse changes his name can you imagine 
down there changing his name. They said, what do you want to change your name to, Ab- Abraham? Father of a multitude, right? Now, you know. Now, we, we, we see it from this side, and so we can understand it. But can't, don't you know they thought he had, he, was, he had lost it? Because all they could think of is this old man, he's already too old, he don't have the first child, and now at this age, he wants to change his name to father of a multitude. But you see, they never seen what he's seen sitting there, looking from the place he was. He knew he was barren, but he looked from the place of barrenness, and he seen a multitude of children. He's seen a multitude of herds. He's seen a multitude and um, um, multiple uh, acres of land. He, he was very rich, right? And he looked from that place where he was and he seen himself as a father of a multitude. And so he, he gets, you know, and I'm, I've, I think I've shared this with you before, but he goes down to the courthouse. He changes his name. What do you want it to be, Abram? I want it to be called father of a multitude. He, he gets a phone call. I know they don't have phone calls, so don't debate my theology. But he gets a phone call. He says, hello, this is father of a multitude. How can I help you today? Right? Every time he has a meeting with all of his, his herdsmen, every time he has a meeting with all of his staff, he says, don't call me Abram anymore, call me father of a multitude. And so all of his staff is coming in saying, father of a multitude, which way do you want me to take your herds today? Father of a multitude, how can I serve you today? Father of a multitude, what are we going to do today? Amen. He had everyone, not only was he saying he was a father of a multitude, but he got everyone else in agreement and speaking that he was a father of a multitude. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I want to say to you today to not give up and don't be afraid to speak what God has put into your heart. Amen. It, it may look like it's already went past you. It may look like it's, it's too late. It may look like the dream and the vision and what you have seen and what you've believed God for in days past, that it will never come to pass. But let Abraham be an encouragement to you to never give up on the dream, never stop speaking it, never stop declaring it, but keep on until you see the promise fulfilled in the natural. Amen. Not only did he speak it, he had everyone around him calling him that. In the face of stacked evidence against him, he never gave up on what he saw from the place that he was. Amen. He said, I'm going to keep on saying it until I see it with my natural eyes because I've already seen it with my spiritual eyes. And I believe he said, I am what God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. Amen. There's nothing 
impossible with my God. So can you see it? Can you see it? If you can see it in the spirit, you begin to say it. And as you begin to say it, God begins to declare it. And it comes to pass in the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you allow faith to rise in our hearts to the challenge of your word. That as we see it from where we are, we see it. And it doesn't look nothing like our now. But we dare to believe it. And we embrace it with a hope and with faith. And God, we begin to declare it and decree it until we see the fulfillment of it in the natural. So, Father, I pray tonight that for everyone that is here, I pray that personal dreams and visions. God, for a better place, a better way, a better of wherever we are, that it be different than where we are now. But I pray as well that corporately we will dream big dreams. And we will allow there to be a vacuum that faith, hope, and love will begin to draw from us and into us every word and every promise that you have called us to us. Help us, Lord, to have the faith of Abraham that we would dare to change our name, to dare to step out at the chance at the risk of being looked at as a foolish person. But God, knowing that you are there, and that you will honor your word and bring it to pass. And Father, for this we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.